Good morning. This morning's reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, which can be found in your pew Bible on page 537. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, last week I was reading an article, and in the article it said that uh, the CDC has basically stated that in the United States, our average life expectancy is 78.6 years. I thought I'd lead off with hope this morning. 78.6 years is the amount of time we're expected to live here in the United States. And for men, it's actually lower. It's 76.1 years. And for women, it's higher at 81.1 years. But on average, we are expected to live in the United States about 78.6 years. Now, to break that out into time a little bit, that's 2,478,729,600 seconds. Now, that is a lot of seconds, all right? So... Don't spend it all in one place. We have 41,312,160 minutes, 688,536 hours, 28,689 days. Here's the one that got me. On average, we are expected to have 4,098 weeks. Now, that's a lot of weeks, I admit, unless you're my age. And then that number is actually just over half of that is all I have expected, all I have left. And and I don't know about you, but my weeks fly by. Is that true for anybody else? And so I think I just want my 2,111.7834 weeks to just slow down a little bit, right? Well, who's counting? I'm not. And our, our seasons, if you look at our seasons, we only get 314 seasons, Unless you live in South Texas, and then that's, you gotta divide by two, cause they only have two seasons, summer and kind of summer. But time goes fast, doesn't it? It just keeps getting faster, would you agree? 
I mean, time just goes and goes and goes. See if this sounds familiar to you. 6 a.m., get ready for work. 6.30 a.m., get the kids ready for school. 7 a.m., drop off the kids and fight traffic. 8.30, get to work. Noon, take a lunch. 6.30, fight traffic home. Kids packed up, uh, picked up by a spouse or packed up. Either way, get quick dinner. 7.30, eat dinner. 7.45, help with the homework. 8.45, put the kids to bed. 9.15, set out your clothes for tomorrow and make sure they look good. 9.30, watch the news for 30 minutes. 10 o'clock, go to bed and then repeat. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I mean, life goes and goes and goes, and it's become so fast and so overly complex that it is difficult to catch our breath or to even take pleasure in the simple things in life because, well, things have become overly complicated. And so I want to welcome you to our sermon series, Simplicity. You know, the reason we're doing this series is because Jesus came and he came, he said, to give us abundant life. But if I'm being honest in our busy lives... Even though we do a lot, we have a lot of time, it doesn't always feel like an abundance of life in the midst of our time. And so my hope is that this series will help us to declutter uh, our busy and complex lives and lead us back to a simple life that has more room for God, more room for our families, and will move us toward finding the true joy in life as we spend our time the way that we feel called to do that, more in line with who God has called us to be. Does that sound like a good idea? So we're going to spend that uh, time over the next uh, few weeks doing that. And pardon the pun, but today it's about time. That's a really good pun. We have become obsessed with filling our time with busyness. Now, we do this for different reasons. Some of us, well, we want to make sure that it gets done, and we don't think anybody else can do it well, and so we're going to become everything for everybody, so whatever it is, is done the exact right, perfect way. So we go, go, go. Do we have any type A's in the room, right? Well, you don't have to raise your hands, but thank you. You're right, yeah, absolutely. Others of us, well, we just can't stand to sit still, right? Some of us, we just go and go and go. And we do this for a a few different reasons. Some of us, we're just directionless. And so we just go and go and go because we're not quite sure what to do. And we just can't sit still. Some of us, however, well, we don't want to have to sit at home and think about our lives. Or we don't want to have to sit at home and look at ourselves in the mirror. Because maybe it's the season we're going through. Or maybe it's the person we've become. And we're just not really excited about that. So we just go And go and go and go because we want to be distracted from life. And others of us, well, we'll spend our busy life not actually busy at all. Some of us will spend our lives checked out, we'll sit out, and we'll do nothing because we're paralyzed by the world in front of us. And you know what all of this is doing to us? It is damaging our health. Did you know that in countries like Canada and England... They actually have a higher life expectancy than we do in the United States. Did you know that? In fact, theirs continues to be on the rise, but our life expectancy over the last three years has been on the decline. Is that scary to anybody else but me? So heart disease and uh, cancer still are the leading causes of death here in the United States. But death by drug overdose and suicide continue to be on the rise. Catherine McHugh of Harvard Medical School said, we're seeing the drop in life expectancy Not because people are hitting the cap in their life at 80, 
but because more and more people are dying in their 20s and their 30s. That's pretty scary. So why is this? Well, it's no surprise to you, it's no surprise to me that many, if not most of us, have had some experience with anxiety and depression in our lives. Maybe it was just for a season. But for most of us, we've experienced anxiety and depression because of all the stress we find from the busyness of our complex lives. And it is increasing our risk for health issues, for drug, drug use, and overdose, and suicide. So whatever the reason, life has become so heavy and so hard that we fill it with time and busyness, and it leaves us feeling helpless and hopeless. And let me tell you, this is not at all how we should see life. We should see life as a gift from God. Our writer today in our scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12, where he says this, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. It is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. We should find joy in the simplicity of life and see it as a gift from God, right? Instead, we are literally putting our lives at risk for the pursuit of personal gain. And here's, here's the irony of all of this. God, the giver of all time, is being ignored by us because we're too busy to give our time back to God. My point with all of this is we are offered so many options about what we can do with our time, right? We could fill it with our career. We could focus on our family. We could try to better ourselves, our church, our relationships. But everything we spend our time on is a decision. Now, sometimes it's a conscious decision. Sometimes it's a subconscious decision. It may be intentional or not, but here's what I know and what I want to tell you today. If we aim for nothing in our lives, most of the time, we're going to hit it. But if we know what our greatest priorities in life are, we will make intentional, maybe even subtle changes that will help us to be more in line and bring us to where we need to be so that, well, we might actually enjoy our lives. And we might take pleasure in the toil that God has given us in this life and this time. So to give you a biblical example of this, the Apostle Paul. Man, he's one of the, the the Bible heroes that we find He's, he's a hero because he went out and he went on three big missionary journeys. He started all these churches. He's single-handedly responsible in a lot of ways, or at least we give him the credit, for bringing the good news of Jesus Christ beyond just the Jewish Christians, but out into the Gentiles. He did amazing work for the kingdom of God. And he found joy, man. He loved Jesus. And he had a lot of joy in his life. And if you ever read Philippians, the book of Philippians, it is like a, a field guide to finding happiness in this life. But do you know what else Paul had? He writes about this. He had this thorn, this constant pain in his side that he writes about, that he deals with. My mother-in-law deals with constant pain as a result of nerve damage. I know that I've talked to some of you, and whether it's because of, of a, an injury or a, a medical injury or, or for whatever reason... I know that many of you struggle with constant pain in your lives. And here's what's true about that. It can steal our joy. It can steal our joy. Paul dealt with constant pain in his life. But he continued to find joy in the work that he did, and he accomplished a great many things. What was Paul's secret? How did he find joy and meaning in the time he spent? Well, his method is found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. He says... 
If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are what? Above, not on things that are on earth. Jesus says it differently in Matthew chapter 6. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's our number one priority in life. And that's a great idea, right? That's, that's, that's a revolutionary idea that we've heard a thousand times. So how do we do it? Well, it starts by aligning our schedule and our priorities so that we can be more intentional with our time. That sounds like a good idea, right? Okay, everybody should have received a bulletin. If you don't, raise your hand and an usher will bring one to you. But I want to invite you to take out your bulletins. Take out your pen and paper. We have them in the pew backs in front of you. We're going to do a little exercise. On the back of your bulletin, you're going to see two columns. On the left side, it says, write down a typical day. And on the right side... It says, write down your top priorities. So left side, write down a typical day. Right side, write down your top priorities, numbers one through five. And here's what I want you to do. Obviously, I don't want you to write today as your typical day. I want you to pick a day from the week. Pick a day that reflects your normal, regular day. Any day, you can pick it. And I want you to write out your schedule. We're going to take one minute to do this right here. And I want you to write out your schedule. Now, here's what I want to say to my type A's. Friends, you don't have to write out every second of every minute, okay? Just block out your day so we got a general idea of what you're doing every day. So we're going to take one minute to do that. Go. All right. How did that feel? Is anybody else stressed out right now? Just me. (laughs) We do a lot in a day. And in order to be more intentional about our time, we've got to get a grasp on our priorities. And we've got to put our priorities and our schedule in line. Mark Miller, one of the pastors here at Ebenezer for a number of years, I love quoting Mark Miller. He said this. He says, if you want to know what your priorities are in life, take out your calendar and your checkbook. Because our schedule, the things we do every day, are a direct reflection of our priorities. Whether we intend them to be or not, it's true. So here's what we're going to do to provide clarity about our priorities. Again, hold on to that bulletin and your pens and your paper. And I want you to, on the other side where it says write down your top priorities, you'll see numbers one through five. If you have five, great. If you don't, that's fine. But I want you to write down your top priorities in life, even if they don't match your daily schedule. What do you want your top priorities in life to be? I want you to write those down. It may look something like this. God, family, health, friends, and work. Maybe those are your priorities. Maybe they're not. They could be a different order. They could be different words. What are your top priorities? I'm going to give you about 30 to 45 seconds. Go. All right. It was a quick 30 seconds, I know. And you may need to go home and do some more work on those two things, but here's what I want you to do. Hold that bulletin in your hands right now and look at it. Compare the two lists. Now, if you find that your schedule and your priorities are out of sync, in other words, if your schedule doesn't reflect your top priorities, if your, if your top priorities are God and family, but they're not anywhere in your schedule, then you're experiencing what psychologists refer to as cognitive dissonance. It means that you're holding two beliefs 
in direct conflict with each other. And I don't know about you, but that stresses me out. It wears me out. It is tiring to believe two separate things that are in direct conflict with each other and to try to do both of them, basically to pretend like we're somebody we're not and to try to live every day like we're going to find joy in that. Very challenging, very difficult, extremely stressful. So in order to stop ignoring God and so that we might enjoy what we do, our priorities and our schedule have to be in alignment. Now you may say, Pastor Mark, I love God, I love my family, but I love to eat too. And if I don't work, my family and I, won't, we won't eat. That is fair to say. Please hear me. Do not quit your job. Do not quit your job. Because it may not be high on your priority list or even on your priorities. That's okay, we got to work. All I'm saying is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. He says, finally, beloved, whatever is true... Whatever is pure or honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I want to tell you, I know this. Our career and our work are often noble pursuits. Even if we don't like them, even if it's challenging for us, I want to tell you, it's it's a noble pursuit in a way. But here's the other thing I know. In our wedding vows, we vow to honor and cherish our spouse. That's a noble pursuit too. Would you agree? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of married couples here and you didn't agree loud enough for each other. Just, just check your heart on that, okay? Certainly there are different seasons in our lives where some of our priorities, even if they're not our top priorities, require greater attention. I understand that. And and part of that is bringing those priorities into alignment. I get all of that. But what I'm saying is as we go through life, generally speaking, when we are when we focus on what is true and honorable, on anything that is worthy of praise, our lives are filled with a richness that brings joy. And Paul Paul said all of this because he was clear about his priorities. He knew that the time he had was a gift from God. And he knew that if he wanted to use his life to honor God, whether he was accomplishing big, great things, or if he was simply taking a breath, he was going to give thanks to God. It's how he found joy in life. It's how he was able to simplify what he did because he was clear about his priorities and the schedule matched. It's why he wrote things like pray without ceasing, give thanks to God in all things. My sense is, at some point... Some of us agreed to travel more for our job. Or we agreed to work more overtime. Or we agreed to tackle that big project because we knew ultimately it would advance our careers. My question today is, would that decision have been any different if we were clear about our priorities and we focused on them? What conversation would we have had with our boss or with our families if we felt like some of our top priorities were being neglected? Now, some of you maybe say that your schedule is just fine. Maybe your schedule is extremely manageable and you can check the box as, Pastor, I spend all the required time that is needed to be a good husband or wife, father or mother. 
All right, maybe that's true for you, but here's what I know. The seasons when my married life and my family life seem strained directly coincide with the times that I spend all of my energy, creativity, and positivity at work, and I come home and have nothing left. This is true. There are times in my life when I spend all of my creativity and excitement at work and I save none of it for my family. I will plan big, exciting things. I will focus on uh, delivering the best sermon. And then I come home and I look at my wife and I say, Hey, what are we doing this weekend? I haven't thought about anything to do. Let's just sit at home. I kind of don't want to do anything. If we aim for nothing, if we aim for nothing, often, We will hit it. One of my friends told me of a time that he was given a new commanding officer. And his new commanding officer came in and wanted to get to know all of those under his command. And so he gave everybody a worksheet that he wanted them to fill out. And one of the questions was, what are your top priorities in life? Well, my friend was really excited. He was like, man, this is great. I just went through this exercise. I know what my top priorities are. They're memorized. Wrote them down without thinking. And then he looked at this sheet that he was about to give his commanding officer and and realized that, well, God and family and health were rated higher than his current employment. And he was about to tell his boss that he wasn't as important. Well, even though it it brought him a little bit of pause, he prayed over it. And he decided that it was worth submitting to his his commander. And, and, And you know what happened? Well, they had a conversation about priorities, and and it actually turned out to be pretty great. You know, he was unwavering and extremely clear about what was important in his life. Let me ask you a question. Is it more stressful to have a conversation with your boss about your priorities in life, or is it more stressful to pretend to be somebody you're not? You see, I think... That when we have these healthy conversations, it can make a big difference in our lives. And believe it or not, my friend went on to have a long and good career in the military. And it makes me wonder, what will we say when we're standing before God and God says, Hey, I want you to fill out your top priorities. What will you say? What will you say when God says, Hey, I want to see the calendar of your life. Let's just walk through it a little bit. Because I want to see if your priorities that you've given me match up with the time you spent on your life. What will our calendar say about our lives when our time here on earth is finished? Our lives are filled with difficult decisions every day. I recognize that. But if we set our mind on things above and not on things of this earth, well, we'll be participating in the work God does in this world. And and here's what the author in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14 says. I know that everything God does will endure forever. When we set our mind on heavenly things, when we stop ignoring God, we discover this unexplainable joy in everything we do because we start participating in God's transforming work in the world. And everything God does will endure forever. That's worth our time. So on the back of your bulletin, at the very bottom, you're going to see this question or statement. It says, my statement of change. And so what I want you to do there is look at your schedule, look at your calendar, and write down what you want to change so that your schedule is more in line with your calendar, with your priorities. Now, I don't want you to do, to do it today because here's why. I want you to go home and I want you to pray over your priorities. I want you to pray over your schedule. 
I want you to pray over what you might change about that. And here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to talk to your family about it. Have a conversation with the ones you love about what your prior, what needs to change about your schedule and your priorities. Tom and Art Rayner, in their book, The Simple Life, it's actually what we're basing a lot of this series off of. They give an example of this exercise in action where they, they had uh, this person, her name was Evelyn, and she wrote down her priorities and her schedule. And then they asked her to write a statement of change. Well, this is what they said. Evelyn compared the two lists, and they were not the same. Her day told a different story from her heart. And like many of us, Evelyn realized that the life she was living was causing dissatisfaction in her heart. So she wrote down her statement of change. And this is what it was. In order to make the day reflect my priorities, I will only work a maximum of two hours of overtime per week, spend 30 minutes daily reading the Bible and praying, only allow my children to play two sports per year and have one date with my husband per week. So the authors, they go on to say this, that redoing how you appropriate your time is going to be difficult, right? It's change is hard. And for many, massive changes need to be made. And these changes will impact ourselves, our family and our friends. And here's the truth about marriage. It takes work. Uh, I think you all heard me. Here's the truth about marriage. It takes work and intentionality. Well, now you're coming alive. It takes communication and trust and commitment. Change is not easy and it's possible that you and your spouse may have different priorities. We can't change hearts. We can't make our values their values. God can only change hearts. God changes hearts. So we need to do what we can do and pray. But before you start praying, let me just give you a word of caution. Before you start praying that your spouse needs to change, I'll let that one sit for a minute. You might go to God and say, God, how might I have a heart after your own heart? God, how might my priorities be more in line with who you've called me to be? Then, then pray over your spouse and pray over them with a fierce love. And then after you've done that, be ready to have conversation about it. Knowing our top priority will help us to focus on what our prayer needs to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been working on my New Year's resolutions. Anyone else? You may not be able to see it, but I've gained a little weight. My wife asked me, she said, uh, hey, Mark, what are your New Year's resolutions? We always do this thing. We fill them out together. It's great. She said, so what are yours? And I said, well, you know, I think I'm going to sign up for a race so that I'll be forced to run more. I'm going to go to the gym more. Sound like noble endeavors, right? So that I can feel better about myself and, you know, not be so stressed out all the time, right? This, This is good. She said, and she knew what I was preaching on this week. So she said, hey, will you remind me what your top priority that you wrote down? I said, yeah, sure, it's Jesus Christ. She's like, great. What's your New Year's resolution about Jesus this year? She's good at stumping the pastor, man. Let me tell you. Here's what I know. We focus our schedule. We focus our resolutions. We focus on our very lives 
on personal gain. And God, the giver of time, gets ignored all the time. And yet, we claim that God, our faith, Jesus Christ is our top priority. And so, here's my challenge. We have a Bible reading challenge available for you at the connection desk. And if we don't have enough today, we'll have more throughout the weeks. Go pick one up. It'll take you through uh, the Bible, not the entirety of the Bible, but through the main portions with just one chapter a day. I think that's enough for us to manage. Or we have upper room devotional guides with prayers, with devotionals, with reflective readings. There's plenty available online. You can go to Barnes & Noble. The bookstore still exists. You can go get one there or on Amazon. But my question is, are our minds set on things above or on earth? Are we focused on things that are excellent and praiseworthy? And if it's our top priority, well, then our schedule, our resolutions should match that. One thing you might do in 2019, because we know that New Year is just around the corner, just a few days away. Pick a word. Pick one word for 2019. Or it can be whatever you want it to be, but let it reflect your top priority. Maybe maybe it's faith or Jesus, or prayer, or maybe one of your other priorities need a little bit more attention and focus. So maybe that word for you is family. But pick something excellent. Pick something praiseworthy and focus on it and filter everything you do over this next year through it. And while you're making a decision about time, use this word to help you decide what to do. It doesn't have to be perfect. You may not filter everything through it, and that's understandable. But let it be a guiding word for you in 2019 so that it will help you to think on and set your mind to things above. You know, the truth about bringing our time into focus where God would have us put it, it's not easy work. I mean, when you write that statement of change, do it with fear and trembling because we know it's not easy work. It requires a ton of prayer. It requires a lot of conversation, a lot of humility, but ultimately... It's going to bring us closer to God and to our family. And frankly, isn't that what we desire? Isn't that why we are so stressed? Because our hearts desire that. And you know what it's going to do? It's it's going to leave us with this unexplainable joy that we didn't know was possible in our lives. And it's going to cause us to simplify our lives as we connect with that joy. So imagine. Imagine what our lives would look like if we were clear in our priorities and our schedule matched it. Doesn't that feel good to think about that? What would our families look like if our priorities and our schedules matched? How would we set our children up for success? Maybe not the way the world defines success, but the way that we understand it through Jesus Christ. If we taught our children the importance of having clear priorities set on things above and to make our schedule match it. How would our world look different if our minds were set on things above and our priorities matched our schedule and we were relentless about the way that we prayed over it? You know, I could even throw out something bold to you. What if one of our priorities wasn't friends, but it was strangers? Man, how would the world be different? You know, this road's not going to be easy. Sometimes we're going to need to let go of some things. Sometimes we're going to need to say no to things. It's going to require a lot of patience. 
But friends, it's going to be time well spent. And when we get there, we're going to find this simple joy in everything we do because we have decluttered our complex, busy lives and we've turned our attention where it needs to be on heavenly things. And we've started to participate in God's transforming work in the world. You know what we're going to find? That it is good. Do you know why? Because God is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given us. Not only this time set apart for you this morning, but our lives. May we use it as an act of worship to you that as we turn our hearts toward you, we might follow you out into the world. That we might not only be blessed by you, but be a blessing to the world, to our families, and to others. Help us. Help us, Lord, to set our minds on heavenly things and not on this earth. And that in all we do, we might seek your will in our lives for us. And that we might live in to who you've called us to be. And so we thank you for all that you've given us and the gift of your grace that you provide us through Jesus Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit at work through us. And we give it all back to you today and every day. In the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.